We're in a 10-week series, and I'm up here a little bit early. The reason why I'm up here early is because we're going to do communion uh, directly after, and then we'll continue to worship after I'm done preaching. Uh, But we're in a 10-week series called How to Obtain Wisdom, and I believe we're on week number seven. Uh, What is wisdom? It's the ability to judge what is true, right, and lasting. Would be one definition. Another one that says the same thing, but knowing how things really happen, knowing how things really are, and then knowing what to do about it. We have many decisions that we have to make in life, and God leaves it up to wisdom. And that is why the book of Proverbs cries out from the bottom of its heart, get wisdom, get understanding, cry for wisdom. It's, cry, it's crying out in the street, embrace it, love it. So as we're looking at the book of Proverbs and how to obtain wisdom, let's go back to the last couple of weeks that we talked about. If you're going to obtain wisdom, you, you have to read the word. We have to understand the moral law and respond to it. If we're going to attain wisdom, we need to fear God, get in touch with reality, respond to God's reproof, ask for it, and then trust God if we're going to get wisdom. This morning we're going to talk about how to obtain wisdom. Number one in our notes, to obtain wisdom, you must prioritize the loves of your heart. You are a person who wants wisdom. Proverbs tells you how to get it, and it's very specific. You have loves of your heart, and you need to prioritize them. Let's read the passage that we're working through today. Proverbs 4, 6-9. Do not forsake wisdom, and she'll protect you. Love her, and she'll watch over you. Wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Esteem her, and she'll exalt you. Embrace her, and she'll honor you. She'll set a garland of grace on your head and present you with a crown of splendor. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to the words. Do not let them out of your sight and keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to to a whole man's body. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. My son, keep my words and store up my commandments within you. Keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on the fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart then you'll keep from an adulteress. All the way through the book of Proverbs, there's different sections where wisdom is crying out, and it's crying out embrace, it's crying out to hold, it's crying out to find, it's crying out almost wanting to take a hold of you and owning you. Let's just look through this passage. As we look through this passage, we're going to gleam to the concept of we have loves in our lives, and unless they are prioritized, we will not grow in wisdom. Number two, the key to finding wisdom is not the filling of the mind, but the loves of the heart. My oldest daughter, 17, is graduating from high school, and she's going to um, go to college at Point Loma in San Diego. And uh, going through this process, I will tell you that um, the bill is like $50,000. But she can bring that down a little bit, and the way that she can bring it down a little bit is have really good SAT scores. So sure enough, her dad and her mom were looking at the SAT score, and she got 25, and that gave her a scholarship. But if she got 28, the scholarship would be another $3,000 a year. So to take this from a parent's perspective, that's a $12,000 test. It's like, well, you don't have to take it again, but if you take it again and get a 28, you know, $12,000 into your parents' pocket sounds pretty good. So she says, I will take it, but it's very difficult to get a higher score. And it takes a lot of study, and I'm like, well, it's (laughs) $12,000. And so sure enough, she did. She ordered this book, and this book was like this thick. 
And in this book had all the information of algebra, geometry, science, all the stuff that's inside. And she studied and studied and studied and studied. And what she did is she crammed her mind full of information to be able to pass the test that she was going to take. Sure enough, we got her score last week, and it was a 29 $12,000 in her parents' pockets. I'm sorry, it was a 29. It was really, it was really good. So as I, she got the test, what did she do? She studied hard. She was diligent. She put it all in her mind, and she got the results. You are a person who wants wisdom. How are you going to get wisdom? We think that, uh, well, if we're going to get wisdom, we need to take a book. Eh, maybe this is the Bible. This is the Bible. It's uh, the biggest Bible I have in my office. It has all the Greek lexicons inside of it. And uh, it's a lot of footnotes and those things. And it's a large book. And if I can study to the umph degree to try to get this entire thing crammed into my mind, then what's going to take place is that I will be wise as a result. What's going to take place if I can cram all the information and know all the Bible stories and know everything that is inside of every page, wisdom will increase with my knowledge. According to Proverbs, it's not the case. It's not the way it works. And what I mean that it's not the way that it works is to get a good grade on a test, you have to educate the mind and you have to fill it so full. But to get wisdom, you don't work with that organ, you work with another organ. What you have to do is you have to fill the heart. You have to educate the heart. You have to have your heart so full and so complete. So instead of loving Scripture for the purpose of knowing it, or reading Scripture for the purpose of knowing it, read Scripture for the purpose of loving it. Because wisdom does not come from the mind. Knowledge comes from the mind. But wisdom comes from the heart. When you look at the book of Proverbs, you will see that there's a pronoun that is always describing Proverbs. And you know what that pronoun is? It's called a her. It's called a she. Why is it a her and why is it a she? And we'll, of course, go through the passages. But why is it a her? Why is it a she? Many um, scholars believe, well, it's just Hebrew poetry or it's figures of speech. The reason why it's a her or why it's a she is because it is describing something that is not just information. When you start talking about wisdom, it's describing something that is alive. It is describing something that captivates you, something that moves you, something that drives you emotionally, something that pursues you, something that wants you. Therefore, what are you going to do with it? Go after it, love it, embrace it, take hold of it. What do you see there? You see the reason why it's called a she is because you want to have a relationship with wisdom. And the relationships don't take place in the mind. Where do they take place? They take place in the heart. Proverbs 4, 6 says, Do not forsake her. Love her. Esteem her. Let's talk about wisdom. Embrace her. Trying to find wisdom through the mind is trying to find wisdom through the wrong organ. Yes, we're supposed to have it in our mind, but if it doesn't reach our heart, we will never, ever, ever have wisdom. And if it reaches our heart, what takes place? Proverbs 4, do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. Wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. Though it costs all that you have, get understanding. Esteem her, and she will exalt you. Embrace her, and she will honor you. You see how that's referring? It's a relationship that takes place. Well, you see David through Psalms, and he says, I love your law. 
I'm starving after your law. I'm thirsting after your law. I want to embrace your law. And he uses those terms. Solomon, his son, uses a different term. He uses a her. He uses a pronoun of a female pronoun because he's talking to kids and he wants these young men to understand how strong wisdom is and to have a relationship with it. And he doesn't want wisdom to only get to the head. He wants wisdom to get into the heart. He wants the word to get into the heart. Well, there's other things that uh, want your heart as a top priority. And what are those things? We could say silver, gold, rubies, riches, honor. All the way through the book, you see wisdom compete with these things. Proverbs 3, blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding, for she is more profitable than silver. He's not communicating with the mind because silver doesn't stick into the mind. Silver sticks into the heart. You see the relationship? There's a profit that's more wisdom or what? Silver. It yields better returns than what? Gold. Wisdom is carrying something with it. She is more precious than what? Rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. With, uh, Proverbs 4, 6, Wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom, though it costs all that you have, get understanding. You don't sacrifice for things that you know. You sacrifice for things that you love, And that is why the pronoun is consistently used in Proverbs. Love her. Make it your top love. Make it own your heart. Make it want your heart. When you start talking about heart, what do you mean? What is the the heart in comparison to the mind? The heart is the things that you hope in. Heart is the things that you, you long for. The heart is the things that you embrace. The heart is the things that you that captivates you. Your heart is the things that move you. And according to the book of Proverbs, it says, grab a hold of this and let wisdom fill your heart. The heart is what you believe you must have in order to receive joy and happiness in this life. And the book of Proverbs is saying, here's wisdom. It is your answer. Number three, whatever your heart has decided is your ultimate love determines all the ways in which you make your choices in life. Here you want to get wise, so what do we do? We want to read books, we want to get understanding, we want our mind to be full. God says, no, you want to fill something else. You want to fill your heart. Why? Because what your heart loves, your mind automatically meditates on. What your heart loves, your emotions automatically move towards. What your heart loves, your eyes look for. And what your heart loves, your lips defend if it gets threatened. And what your heart loves... Your ears hear. It's a story about um, an American and a Native American walking through the streets of New York. And as they're walking through the streets of New York, I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's extremely loud as horns are honking, as people are walking. There's just a lot of commotion that takes place, and you can barely hear somebody talking next to you. But as this person was walking with this Native American friend, the Native American said, Hey, shh, quiet, listen, I hear a cricket. And the guy looks at him and says, you hear a cricket? We are in downtown New York. Number one, there is no crickets here. And number two, if there is a cricket here, you wouldn't be able to hear it through all the commotion. He goes, shut up and listen, I hear a cricket. And then he starts walking towards a flower bed. And he goes into a flower bed in New York and he finds, oh, there it is, look at it. Pulls out the cricket and he goes, look at it, I found a cricket. And the guy looks at him and says, how in the world did you hear that cricket? This is his response. He says, your ear instinctively hears 
the things that your heart is on. He said, let me prove it. Grabbed a hold, found in his pocket, a whole bunch of change. He took all this change and he threw it up in the air and it came down and it rattled through the streets of New York and everybody within one block stopped exactly where they're at, looked around and said, what's going on? They responded to it. Why? Because our heart is consistently connected to it. Proverbs 4, 23, above all else, guard your brains. No, it doesn't say guard your brains. Above all else, guard your heart. Why? Because it is the wellspring of your life. This is the thing that's going to drive you to make decisions. This is the thing that's going to drive you to think. This is the thing, the heart is the thing that's going to drive you to be wise or to be foolish. Proverbs 4.23, this is found in the New Living Translation. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Here we want to be wise, and if we're going to be wise, what's it saying? Don't educate yourself as much as let your heart be filled with the correct things, therefore you need to prioritize your love. St. Augustine said the key to life change is not the acts of the will, but it's the love of the heart. Number four, the loves of your heart drives you to reason or plunges you into foolishness. King David had lots of brains, but that did not keep them from um, embracing Bathsheba. President Clinton had lots of brains, but it did not keep him from Monica Lewinsky. Uh, we could just look at uh, the news and every single article of some very smart, intelligent people and bring it up. Michael Cohen, he was uh, what, um, the president's lawyer, passed his bar exam, brilliant for many, many years. But all of his brilliance, all of his brains and everything that he knew did not keep him from being a fraud and going to have to go to jail for it. The owner of the New England Patriots had money, had power, had fame, had spotlight. You must think that there's something going on upstairs in regards to being able to get where he is at. But it still did not keep him from embracing um, a prostitute and getting into prostitution. So all these things, yes, your mind can be full and your person can be full, but if the heart is not, foolishness comes as a result. The loves of the heart is what makes you wise or what makes you foolish, and there's nothing else that makes you wise or makes you foolish. This thing has to be impacted if you're going to move towards wisdom or if you're going to move towards foolishness. Proverbs 7, 1, My son, keep my words and store up my commandments within you. Keep my commands and live. Guard my teaching as an apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. You will keep from the adulteress if you, what, do it. It's interesting. It's not saying fill the mind. It's not saying get an education. It's saying take my word and write them somewhere. Don't write them up here. Write them here. Yes, you can put them up there, but if they don't get to here, they're not going to do you any good in regards to being wise whatsoever. The reason why people keep away from adulterers if they have the word in the mind is because, or have a word in their heart, is because their heart's too full to embrace an adulteress. My wife and I, um, been married for 23 years, and, and uh, we made decisions. And do you know what decisions we were that we made? We said, we are going to be in love with each other. We're going to date each other for the rest of our life. We're going to, so it was our birthday last week, we're going to buy you flowers continually. If we're going to be married, we might as well just make it fun so our hearts will be full with each other. Yes, you go through mountains, you go through valleys, but what we try to do is we try to fill our hearts with each other because if you do, then there's no room for the adulterer 
to even want to come in. Do you see the loves of the heart is what drives the decisions, what drives the mind? Romans 10.10 says, For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. How many people would not receive Christ because they can't figure him out? How many people would not receive Christ because they cannot prove his existence? How many people would not receive Christ because they logically cannot understand him? It's happening all over in this world. But God says, you're going the wrong direction. You're trying to receive Christ with the wrong organ. You're supposed to receive Christ here. You believe up here. No, don't try to believe here. Believe here. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. You see how powerful this organ is and how this works? Therefore, it is powerful in regards to wisdom. And if you want wisdom, the base of wisdom does not come from here. The base of wisdom has got to come from here. So here's our application. How do we prioritize the loves of our heart? Number five, Christ is the personification of wisdom. Make him your first love, and you will be wise. Just to prove this and give a couple examples, if you want to mess up your relationship, let me tell you how to do it. Don't take notes. I'm just going to tell you how to mess up your relationship. The way to do it is to make your, I'm just going to use an example of me, make your wife or in your situation, make your girlfriend or make your husband or make your boyfriend, make them your first love. If you make, I'm just going to use an example, my wife, my first love, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to suffocate her. I'm going to push her away if she is my first love. I'm going to annoy the living daylights out of her. I'm going to make decisions in regards to my first love, which is absolutely going to drive her crazy. And the reason why it's going to drive her crazy is because women, my wife, does not want to be my adventure. She does not want to be my adventure. She wants to be on an adventure with me. She wants to embrace something that's bigger than herself. And if she is my first love, it's too small, and she will hate me if I make her my first love. But if I make Christ my first love, guess what's going to happen? What? It's going to put her on an adventure that is beyond her. And what does she want to do? Walk with me in that adventure. She cannot be my first love. I have to embrace something else, and if I choose to make her my first love, she will actually destroy me in the process. Our relationship will be destroyed in the process. If you want to uh, mess up your career, you want to mess up your job, guess how you do it? Just make up your first love. If your job or your career is your first love, what are you going to do? You're going to sacrifice time. You're going to sacrifice emotion. You're going to sacrifice your family. And then they will, in turn, turn on you. Why? Because after you've embraced your job and everything that was important to you is now gone, you don't have any energy for your job. You don't have any passion for your job. When you're hanging on to only your job and have ruined everything else for your job, everything has turned on you and you've turned into a fool on your own terms. If you want to ruin your children and mess them up, make them your first love. If you make your children your first love, what's going to take place? You will control the living daylights out of them and they will hate you for it. Or you'll be way overprotective and you'll drive them crazy and pull away from you. Or you'll allow them to do whatever they want because they're your first love and making decisions off that because they own your heart. Allow them to do whatever they want. And what's going to take place? They will drive you crazy. And that love relationship between you and your children will actually split. You are a fool 
on your own terms if you make your children your first love. We can use every single category in this world of what owns your heart. Let's say money. If you want to make money your first love, your ultimate thing, the one thing that is going to make you happy, the one thing that's going to make you complete, do you know what you're going to do? You're going to ruin yourself. How are you going to ruin yourself? Well, you're definitely going to be up at night thinking about, well, what's the stock market going to do tomorrow? What you're going to do is you're going to sacrifice everything that's close to you for the purpose of, is this going to happen or is this going to happen or we got money in or we got money out and when money doesn't come in, all of a sudden destruction just completely takes place, depression sets in. Why? Because your heart is owned by something and when that something does not produce, it either crushes or it builds. But when your heart is owned something, you make all your choices in regards to that specific item and that in the Bible, according to Proverbs, is called foolishness. But what happens if you make Christ your first love? If you make Christ your first love, do you know what happens? Your relationships all of a sudden come alive. Your relationship with your mate comes alive. Your relationship with your kids come alive. If you make Christ your first love, your relationship with your job comes alive. If you make Christ your first love, your money all of a sudden gets exciting. People say, well, you can't love money. Well, there's a lot of joy in money. There's a lot of fun in money. We just prioritize it different. If Christ is your first love, then money all of a sudden starts to get exciting. But why does this take place? Why does Christ have to be your first love to make everything come alive? The reason why is because if Christ is your first love, everything you own has purpose and value. If Christ is your first love, everything you own has purpose and value. And if he's not your first love, the purpose and value is supposedly be in them. But there is no purpose and value in anything else except Christ. So what happens is we are not wise people because we have other things that have captivated our hearts. And as these things have captivated our hearts, we are making decisions in regards to those things rather than the ultimate thing, which is God. And therefore foolishness is ours and wisdom is not. Colossians 2, 2 says, My purpose is that you may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches and complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We are supposed to love everything through Christ because it gives it purpose, it gives it value, it gives it meaning, it gives it power. And if Christ is our first love, we will make decisions in regards to our money that's correctly, in regards to our relationship that's correctly, in regards to our job that is correctly. Why? Because we're looking at it through Christ and it is bringing life to us because of that priority that we set at first. Proverbs twenty three twenty six says, Give me your heart, my son, and let your eyes delight in my ways. Number six, another application. When making big decisions, evaluate the loves of your heart. All of us make decisions every day, and some of the decisions are a lot larger than others. And as you are making big decisions, uh, what do we do? We often think with our mind. What is the most educational decision I can make in regards to this circumstance? The challenge here is remember the thing that controls you. It's your heart. Therefore, observe observe everything through your heart's eyes rather than your mind's eyes. Just give you a fast example. Solomon, who wrote the book of Proverbs, um, asked for wisdom. And the reason why he asked for wisdom is because he wanted to know how to manage the people. 
God was very pleased with that, and the reason he was pleased with that is because God loves the people, and therefore he says, I will give you wisdom because of that your love for the people. There's a story, the first story, after he's been granted wisdom, where there's two ladies that had children, and they had little babies, and after they had babies, they were sleeping in the same room, brand newborn babies, they were sleeping in the same room, and one of the ladies uh, rolled over on one of their babies and suffocated their child. Well, when that mother rolled over on the baby, woke up, saw a dead child, she's like, I just killed my child. But she, what did she do? She grabbed a hold of the baby and says, I'm going to take, swap this child with my child. So she went over to the other lady who was still sleeping, and they swapped babies. She swapped babies, and then she went and laid down and hung on to the baby, and then the other lady had the dead child. Instead of her, her baby was now alive in her mind. So when they woke up, there was a dispute, and the reason why is there, there was a dispute is because the mother of the live child that should have the live child woke up, noticed that the baby was dead, but also noticed that the baby was not her child. So they brought this dispute in front of the king and King Solomon. And, and uh, so Solomon starts to think, but what does he think with? He starts to think with his heart. The way that he thinks with his heart is he says, I want, this is what his heart says, I want the mother to have the baby. That's what I want. There's a dispute, there's an argument, there's a split, there's, you know, there's a discussion, but I want the mother to have the baby. So as he's thinking with his heart, what does he do? He says, I will do everything in my power to give the mother the baby. I've got to find the heart that owns the child. So he makes a decision. Give me a sword. And uh, they grab him a sword and they say, all right, I want you to cut the baby in half. And after you cut the baby in half, give both halves to both of the ladies so everybody would be happy. And uh, one person cried out, no. And the other person cried out, yes, sounds like a great idea. And Solomon then what noticed? There is the person. There is the mother. There is the one who loves the child. It is her baby. Therefore, give that baby to them. But you see through that whole interaction, he's not thinking through his mind. He's not trying to figure anything out. What's he using? He's using his heart to find other people's hearts. Because if he can find other people's hearts, then he can find the answer. He can find wisdom. He can find the correct answer. What's interesting is that um, many um, of us go through an interview panel, and many of us interview people uh, through jobs. And uh, if you are on that interview panel where you are interviewing somebody, what kind of questions do you ask? You ask questions to see what they know, to see how brilliant they are, to see how smart they are, but does that make them really good for the job? Uh, You want to find somebody that is wise. I would challenge you to look at everything and all your decisions that you're making in regards to finding out what that person's hearts are. What is that person's, the greatest loves of that person's heart? Because if that person has a great love to the heart, that's what's going to rule them inside of their job and inside of their position. You see, when you make decisions, don't neglect the heart and the loves of the heart. Don't neglect it and don't underestimate it. Almost get rid of the more of the mind and focus on the heart, and wisdom will come. Wise decisions will take place. Proverbs 24, 23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Number seven, God has never promised to fill a man's head. The promise is that he will fill the heart. We're going to take communion, and as we're taking communion, there's a large statement that's coming from the table, from the elements. And the large statement is, this is my broken body, done specifically for you. As often as you take it, 
remember me. The juice is, this is my blood that's spilled out for you. As often as you take it, do what? Remember me. This is the largest statement of love that you have ever received in this entire world. It's a statement that comes specifically from God. Why? Because he wants to own your heart. So when you come take the elements, I'm just going to ask you, does he own your heart? And if not, this is a good time to say, God, own me. God, I want to make you my first love. You love me and gave your son. You love me and sacrificed your son. Therefore, what you're asking for is my heart to be sold to you, to be given to you. I encourage you to make that commitment as the music plays. God, we thank you for the commitment that you made to us. And I just pray, God, that uh, we will in turn make that commitment to you, that we will give you our complete heart, that you will be our first love, you will be our drive, our energy. You will be the source that we love, God, to make decisions. God, I just pray that nothing will get in the way beyond you. We just pray that we will hold you above all else in everything. In Christ's name, amen.